This is Linda Nicole Blair. You're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio. Welcome back, Wanderers, to another mentally stimulating edition of the Misery Point Radio Show. As always, I appreciate you sacrificing what's left of your hard-earned brain cells to join me here in the wasteland. I am, of course, your host on this endless journey towards musical redemption. You can call me Mike. Well, you can call me whatever the hell you want, as long as you continue to tune in and support this show, independent radio, podcasts, musicians, and artists of all kinds. That is, of course, why we are here, well, that and to listen to my sexy, sexy voice spew forth the sort of entertainment that you all know and love. You're welcome. Today's guest is Linda Nicole Blair, a longtime friend of the show, going all the way back to the early days of On the Edge, which, for those who don't know, is the show that got me started down the left-hand path of podcasting and radio, and eventually shed its skin like Jeff Goldblum morphing into the beautiful Brundlefly that is now Misery Point Radio. And today, she returns for a record fourth time amazing. LNB and I had an awesome chat, catching up on all the cool things she's been doing in the last couple of years, such as writing and publishing her first book, playing her music in Paris, and of course, releasing her latest album, With Any Luck, which was produced and engineered by another longtime friend of the show and frequent guest, Bradley the Wizard Miranda. We talked in-depth about the evolution of her sound and songwriting process, the people and places that inspired the songs on this new album, how a chance encounter at a local recording studio brought us all together, and ultimately, what it is that keeps her going. This is an awesome conversation with someone who continues to pave her own musical path and forge ahead with determination to make her own rules and a dedication to promote women and their contributions to music, art, literature, and society as a whole. So, plop yourself down on your back porch, grab that acoustic guitar, and check out this conversation with the true modern-day pioneer. Hey, Ellen B. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me again. It has been way, way, way too long. Absolutely. Too long. Um, Yeah. yeah, Thanks to COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to COVID and thanks to life just going off in all kinds of of crazy uh, different directions. And I mean, besides COVID, I mean, there's just been a lot of stuff that's gone on in the world since the last time we talked Mm -hmm. and something we had wanted to talk about. And we kind of touched on it the last time you were on uh, back when I think uh, No Limits came out was your book was about to come out. And now you wrote a book, it got published, it's out there in the world. And uh, tell me a little bit about that so we make sure that we get that covered. Okay, well, it's, uh, it's called Fem Poetics of American Poetry and Americana Music. And then there's a colon and then a woman's truth. And so this has kind of been like boiling around in my head for a while because women and music, it's a huge topic. I mean, women, women are not represented equally in the music industry at all. And, uh, that's, that's a huge thing for me. Uh, cause I, I sort of see myself, I'm a musician and a singer songwriter, but I also want to use whatever tiny little influence that I have in my corner of the world <laughs> to advocate for women. I mean, it's, it's a huge thing. 
and so it kind of started that way. And then I'm a literature professor. And so I wanted to also sort of tie it in with American literature. So I take uh, three American writers um, and then I tie them to modern day Americana musicians. You know, so there's um, Anne Bradstreet and uh, Phyllis Wheatley and then Emily Dickinson are the three uh, the three poets. And then I tie them to uh, Brandy Carlisle with Anne Bradstreet and Rhiannon Giddens with Billy Sweetley and Lucinda Williams with Emily Dickinson. Um, and so sort of the theme is that these women, the poets influenced, had a greater influence just than poetry. They influenced culture as a whole, and that includes music. Yeah. And so sort of, you know, the power of a woman's voice and women speaking truth to power and all of that. So, yeah. And, you know, when we first talked, I remember you talking about that and I was like, ah, that's just, how do you tie all those things together? And I was like, <laughs> what is this book going to look like and how is its format going to be? And if I remember when I finally saw it, this thing is rather large, a very <laughs> voluminous, if that's an actual word. So uh, did that, was that how you envisioned it uh, as you were kind of uh, concepting this whole thing out? Was it supposed to look kind of like a, a true literary book or was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wanted it to be, um, it's an academic book, but I also wanted it to be uh, appeal to a, to a broader audience because I wanted like people who love music, people who love women's music, you know, music by women. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted it to sort of cross over from the strict academic to the more popular culture too, sort of, sort of to tie those together. Yeah. And you so. were developing this for quite some time. It had been kind of bouncing around in your noggin. So from concept to actual publication was several years. It was probably three years, maybe four, because I, I went to Americana Fest in 2019 and I did interviews, which I included in the book. Mm. So there are some rising stars in there now, like Michaela Neller. Um, I shout out to Michaela if she ever <laughs> hears this. Um you know, and then there's, you know, the lo my local people that I interviewed, um, Tammy Frost being one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to give kudos to all the all the incredible women that I've met um, and then sort of to use them as a as a way of saying, you know, this is not just famous women. We're not talking about people who are just on, you know, the big screen and stuff. We're talking about people who work at it every single day. They're in the trenches every day. They're out doing gigs four nights a week, yeah. you know, in their communities and they're singer songwriters and they're hardworking and they deserve to have, they deserve to be elevated. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. when it was getting down to almost time to hit the presses and this thing was printing, how were you feeling at that point? Was there was there fear? Was there nervousness? Was there trepidation, excitement? Like what was going through your head before you actually saw the final product, but you knew it was coming? I was so excited. I couldn't wait. <laughs> I could not wait to see it, um, you know, because it's that feeling. Well, you know how it is. You work so hard on something and you work and you work and then you see it come to fruition. And you're just like, yeah. You know, and I just hope that uh, I hope that people enjoy it. I, I did get a big thumbs up from the Library Association of America. If you go to if you go to the the Roman Littlefield site and look it up, 
you'll see a review from the librarians who really liked it. So I'm like, yes, the librarians, <laughs> the librarians liked it and gave me a, a, a good recommendation. So I was excited about that. <laughs> oh, that's that's absolutely amazing. And so when it finally came out and you held it in your hand physically, what was going through your mind? How did that make you feel that you created this thing? Besides the music, which you've already created, but now you've got this piece of literature that is out there in the universe. That feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, all that hard work pays off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what I try to go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, definitely. I could tell you are, you are somebody who puts a lot into the things that you do. I remember talking to you about how in depth you dove on this. So, so uh-huh. there's no doubt in my mind that you, uh, every little detail that could have possibly been covered, you dug into it. Oh, I tried, you know, I really tried it. I mean, in my next project, uh, I want to, uh, I want to kind of do something similar. I wanted to, I want to write songs. Like I've got five songs about women in American literature. Like, you know, they're from the character's point of view. And so I want to do like five more. But then I want to do a book of essays written by other people, like other scholars. Let them do all the the hard scholarly work. And then I want to write the songs to go along with the book. <laughs> Is that terrible of me? That's terrible. No. But, you know, like I would write the intro or the conclusion and then I would sort of farm it out, you know. And what I want to try to do is get an NEH grant. So that everybody gets paid. Yeah. You know, so they'll get paid for their writing. That'd be um, awesome. It's like a, yeah. like a literary musical anthology of yeah. awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all <laughs> like American, American uh, characters and songs um, about these American characters. But anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. So, so that came out a while back. So it's out there in the world. And of course, we'll publish links to tell people how to find oh, that a little bit later on. So yeah. Nice. Now, before we dig into the uh, the awesomeness of your latest album, uh, I do want to talk to you about the epic trip that you just went on oh because uh, I number one, vacations are amazing, not not just because they're fun, but with all of the stuff that's been happening in the world over the last couple of years, I think everybody just kind of need to decompress and refocus and re-energize and just kind of get away for a new perspective. So mm. tell us about this big journey you went on because you went to several different places. Yeah. Uh, well, the whole thing started because I got uh, I, my, a paper that I wrote, got accepted to a conference in Paris. And so the name of the, the group is the uh, New Directions in the Humanities. And so I wrote a paper about Virginia Woolf, who was always kind of my go-to because I got, yeah, I mean, that's my whole dissertation and everything. Anyway, uh, but I wrote that paper, got accepted, and then we sort of built the vacation on the front end of that. And so the the paper thing was at the very end of it. So the first thing we did was we went to Germany. Mike, my husband, has friends in different little cities from Berlin all the way to like Cologne, Germany. So we started off in Berlin and we went to two other small towns and then we ended up in Cologne and we took a train from Cologne to Paris. Yeah. So. And uh, if I remember seeing something on one of your posts, did you get to play an open mic at an (laughs) Irish pub in Paris? Did I read that correctly? Yes. Yes. I know. This is crazy. So I asked Mike, I was like, why don't we see if we can find an open mic in Paris? And he's like, 
And I, so I didn't have a guitar and I didn't know, you know, if anybody would be willing to lend me their guitar. And so I found this place and sure enough, you know, they, they had it. It was while we were there. I think it was on a Wednesday night. And so, uh, yeah, we went and they were really nice. And the guy gave me his guitar. He let me play. And, you know, you had your usual crowd of people that never listened to anybody. They're just there to drink and talk. Right. And then you have the people who were actually listening. And so it's the same in America. <laughs> you <laughs> <It's> know what? <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a horrible, horrible person. Uh, and yes, I probably am. But so here's my first thought was I was like, okay open mic in Paris. I'm picturing this beatnik in a striped shirt with a beret and a really long cigarette going, okay, up next. And then I was like, I know that's not how it went, but I was just hoping that there would be some element of that uh, out there in well, the world there still. Were, <laughs> there was kind of that, there was a little bit of that vibe, but it was mostly, most of the audience were people in their mid-20s to their mid-30s. It was really a youngish crowd. There were a couple of other American people there. Yeah. Uh, who were sort of closer to our age, to mine and my husband's age, but most of the people there were kind of in that demographic. And um, and after I sang, and I had a hard time with this guy's guitar for some reason. It just it's like it was felt weird. It was like I don't know, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It just didn't feel. It wasn't my Martin, yeah. and I couldn't <laughs> get my hands around it, you know. So anyway, uh, but after I got through. Um, one person, this youngest, youngish person come up to me and was like, oh, that was really good. And so now we're friends on Facebook. Oh, cool. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I talk to musicians every day all over the world, and I think I have yet to really encounter anybody who's had uh, stories to share about playing songs or or in bands in, in France. So, uh, you know, cool. That's you're the first I've talked to about uh, playing in yes. Paris. Okay, and I had a really good time, and you know the beer was good, and you know, and we got a snack to eat. It was really good food, and I don't have any complaints. And it was right, like the Seine River was like right outside the door. So I mean, how can you not like that? (laughs) But it was an Irish pub. It was, yeah, (laughs) the Galway Irish pub. I know it was bizarre. That's crazy. So, uh, so Germany and then France, and you hit a couple other places too, didn't you? Um, Oh yeah. Well, we had to fly in and out of Iceland. Oh okay. So yeah, we just we were in the Iceland airport, which I assume was in Reykjavik because that's really the only place to go, right? Yes, it was right (laughs) outside of Reykjavik. It's sort of this little bitty. It's like the airport town. Yeah. Sort of like SeaTac. Yeah, okay. You know, it's like SeaTac. And then if you have time, you go to the city. If you don't, then you stay in the airport. So we had to stay in the airport. Yeah. And but then, it was cool. Then you had to come back, and, and now, now you're back to reality. But, uh, you know, just a few months back then, uh, you finally released uh, another album, With Any Luck. Uh, so I think that was back in February or so it got released. So uh, now I know that you, of course, work with our mutual friend, Mr. Bradley Miranda, yes. uh, who was just on the show just last month or maybe the month before. We actually talked about how he was working on your album with you and you worked with uh, with Kyle Miller again. Um, so yeah, so uh, two two dear friends of mine whom I, I love tremendously. So so tell us about uh, with any luck. Uh, give me the story on how this album oh. kind of came into existence. Well, you know, I think I started writing it during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so like, there's one 
you know, there was like a this this feeling that I have, like I, you know, I'm getting old, and you know, time is running out. <laughs> <laughs> Very <You know>? positive. <laughs> it was like the the COVID depression or something, right? I was feeling so isolated. So anyway, I wrote this one song called "No One Tells You." It's you know, no one tells you what it's like to grow old. You just have to go for it, forget the past. You know, so it's not depressing. It's kind of an uplifting song. Um, and then I, I don't know. There were some songs that I wrote that uh, that just kind of they had been sticking around in my head. Like I was trying to write this song about uh, Montana mm-hmm. for some reason. My, Mike and I had visited Montana. And I loved the little town and I loved the scenery and I was trying to think, well, how, you know, what am I going to, so that song has been sort of, you know, bumping around in my head for like two or three years. And then I finally figured it out. (laughs) It was like in about six weeks, I figured that song out and it had taken years. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I guess that's just the process. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny that you mentioned those two particular songs because uh, so I, I downloaded the album when you oh. first released it. Okay. And uh, yay! So so I've listened to it several times <laughs> at this point, and those oh. two particular songs, I find them to actually be standouts on the album. They they each, of course, they don't sound the same. Like they're two kind of different styles of music, if you will. Um, but they really, I, I think, kind of showcased a very storytelling way. You have a very narrative fashion, like when you I sing, do. like, and, and your voice is kind of in the same sense of like Cheryl Crow or Chrissy Hind, where oh, they really, f- you feel like they're talking to you, like they're having oh. a conversation. So, so when I listen to your songs, that is kind of the vibe that I get off there, and. You know, Montana specifically, it was just like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I am there. So uh, probably because of your literary roots and maybe your background. But I I do find that your songs tell stories and I Uh feel like they kind of guide you through. So those two particular songs, I really did find them to be standouts on the album. And I don't know if you feel the same about those two, but you mentioned those two specifically. And I've got those written down right here. So I just felt that kind of coincidental. Oh, that's really nice. Well. You know, the other song that I wrote, I wrote, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is Queen of the County. Mm-hmm. I wrote that one last summer um, at Blues Camp. So I went to Port Towns at Blues Camp and I sort of wrote that one while I was at camp. <laughs> I know, it's weird. And um, and so it's just, I was thinking, but, and I was thinking about this people that I interviewed in this book. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, but that story, that song is also a story. That's what I, I was trying to think of. It's a country song. It's very, like I was going for sort of that basic country vibe. Yeah. You know, like three chords of the truth. And that's kind of what, and so there's a line in there that, you know, that she she's speaking truth and she's wearing those red cowboy boots, you know, and it's like, I'm just going to speak the truth. And I just, I, I like that. That's one of my other favorites on the album. Yeah, that one is definitely also epic. And now we're going to take a listen to one of these songs. So here is Linda Nicole Blair off her latest album, With Any Luck. This one's called Montana. I was lonely as the dark settles in. My radio's busted, lost the signal again. My mind is on the road.
Yeah, I think that this particular album, you know, when I go back and I, I listen to, you know, how you and I first got introduced, uh, and I think that was back in is it 2017. Has it been that long already? Um, yes. You were, yeah. God damn. We were, <laughs> we were at the trench. We were at the trench, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was working with Brad and, and helping him record some sessions while he was uh, schooling me, if you will. Um, but so I, I had the opportunity to hear, you know, some, some early kind of takes on some of your music and then your, then little Queenie came out and then you had another album come out, the no limits, I think it was Uh called. Right. Yeah. And now I'm hearing this one and there's such a huge progression, not only I think in your sound, uh, but I just overall, like the number of elements that are involved in each of these songs. Um, so this album there's a lot of layers. There are a lot of textures. There is just so oh, much happening on this. So nice to say. Yeah, I don't know if you really if if you go back and listen to the progressions. A lot of artists don't like to do that, but you know, as somebody that I really enjoy people's musical journeys. So there's this is a very southern feeling album, and uh-huh. I, and uh, more so than the other ones, I think, and and. And while there's still rock elements to it, I think this one definitely, as you said, takes a pretty straight ahead country path. It does. It does. And I, I don't even know where that comes from. And I guess it does come from my roots somewhere, you know, growing up in the South. And I didn't particularly listen to a lot of country music when I was growing up. But I guess it's just, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It, that's a that's a good, that's a really good observation. And I think... Um, you know, just uh, the kinds of music that I listen to also just has a huge influence on that. Just I like story songs. Like I'm a huge Swifty fan. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge Swifty. And the thing I like about her the most is her her lyrics are just killer. Yeah. She has killer lyrics. And you just can't, her stories are just, you know. There's some of them are just profound. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's just- <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And I, I pick up on that because when I was writing music, I, f- I am drawn to those elements. So, uh, and I'm a writer, so I really pay attention to things that people say or people feel. And I, I definitely can pick up on elements that come from say a, a personal experience or a personal yeah. background versus you know, somebody who just writes cool stuff, but you don't feel like they're necessarily uh, a part of that actual story. So I am drawn to storytellers and I love concept albums and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, so your storytelling and and your uh, imagery does come through in your songs, which, I which so. I find to be awesome. Yeah. Now, now that you have been recording, so uh, you're fairly prolific as a songwriter, you got a lot of material out there. So are you approaching these songs differently now? Like when you go to write, are you thinking, oh, I'm going to write this, but now I'm going to have this fiddle part come in and I'm going to have some harmonica here. Whereas originally, I think that stuff kind of came after you wrote the songs. Yeah, I am. I guess I am thinking more along those lines. And I, I do want to shout out to Kevin Day and Brenna Wheeler. Brenna was the fiddle player on that album. Mm. And Brent, Brenna, if you look her up, she's on, she, they have reels on Instagram. Brenna is amazing. And I just feel so lucky that she was on that album. And then, uh, Kevin Day played, uh, played lead. So him and Kyle and Bradley just, I mean, they just made such a great trio, you know, everything just 
worked, just worked. Yeah. Right. Did you guide any of that direction on how those other instruments would play? Or did you just kind of hand in the framework and say, this is kind of what I'm thinking, but just work your own magic on it? Well, a little bit of both. I mean, I, you know, I think um, I, at some point, you know, and I, you would agree with this, I know, because you're also uh, a musician and you have to think about how uh, you've got to trust the trust them to know mm, what they're doing. Yeah. But then I also did have some input. Um, you know, I think uh, Bradley sort of, I think he likes that. He likes for people to have their input. Um, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it was like, you guys, you know, y'all are the experts here. You know, you're the ones that really know how, how all of this should come together. But yeah, I, yeah. A little bit of both. Yeah. I, I the fiddle work, specifically on this album is pretty next level i mean it's it's uh it's amazing yeah i you know i i have always wanted to kind of it, it okay my metal friends are going to give me shit about this but i love violins and fiddles and i i love the classical elements too so i always wanted to learn but you know there is almost no worse instrument to listen to somebody learn how to play right. than a violin because it does sound like you're murdering cats and i remember a guy that i was in a band with back in the day was learning and i was like oh my god you got to go through that to get to this i'm like if you're a bad guitar player i mean you know that's fine you can you know unplug it or whatever but you know a violin uh, is there uh, yeah 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 <laughs> so that and the drums that'd be two really 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 hard instruments for your neighbors to listen to you learn yeah, for sure but right? uh i feel like when i hear something that is really well done it really perks my ears up. And so probably one of my favorite elements on, on that is, is definitely the fiddle work. And there's quite a bit of lead guitar work on these songs too, which is not necessarily as present in your previous um, works. I mean, there's been a little bits and pieces here, but there's a lot of guitar soloing happening on this one. I loved, um, I loved his work on her kind. Yeah. That's based on a poem by Ann Sexton, by the way. Uh, thank you, Ann Sexton. If I know you're listening. <laughs> She's, she is in heaven now, but anyway, uh, yeah, so that's a, an example of like something I would want to put on the, in my new book if I ever do one anyway, but yeah, um, uh, her kind, um, uh, you know, really all of them. The other one, um, heaven help us has that sort of sixties vibe yeah, going on. with the yeah, little Leslie kind of rotary speaker vibe yeah, and stuff. I love that. I love that song. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so you're, you know, your band camp description on, on this album uh, states, as we kind of touched on already, that, you know, these songs were written from, you know, 2019 to 2022 and was inspired by people you met during that time frame, as well as people from your past. So are there any cool uh, any cool stories regarding how any of those songs came together? So I don't have it in front of me. So I know Better Woman. Oh, OK. Better Woman. I'll talk about Better Woman. Um, and let's see, to 1989, long time ago, um, I had just gotten my PhD. And so my parents and I went to Nashville and my dad was like, well, we're going to go to the Grand Old Opry. I was like, oh my God, I hate country music, daddy. Really? <laughs> do we really have to do that? And he was like, oh yes. Oh yes. We're going to go. And there it's on TV. And I was like, oh my God. And so we went in and it was in the old, it was in the original place, right? Um, in the church. And um, 
So we walked in and we were sitting on the very front row and it was that they were taping in the afternoon. And so we're sitting in the front row and I was like, oh my God, I hate this. I hate country music. <laughs> so Clint Black comes out and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> really? Ears perk up. Oh my gosh, Clint Black. So he started playing and he played Better Man. And I don't know if you've ever heard this song, but if you haven't, go back and listen to it. And I loved that song. And I was like, oh, my God, I love country music now. I love that song. He's so good looking and he sings so good. Oh, my God, that's country music. Ah. So uh, so that kind of a, it was a corner turner for me. It was your ground zero. And, yeah. And so I was th- I've always wanted to write a response to Better Man. And so because in the song, he's all, you know, oh, I have to leave. I'll be a better man. And so I was like, hmm. And then, so I decided to write Better Woman as, hey, you left, come back, because I can be a better woman too. You know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, I love that song. Um, and then just thinking about where it came from. Yeah. Um, and all those years ago, you know. And you open with that one, right? Yeah. So that's just a boom. It, it, it hits you right off the bat. And also, a lot of your songs, I mean, you just go to a song and boom, you're right in the verse, right? You're just right into it all. And it's just, it's so in your face. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And then the other one, there was one, um, oh God, what was the one about, uh, can you read, can you read through the track list? Cause I can't remember the, Oh, the I don't have, song. I don't have the track oh, gosh, list in front of me. Yeah. There's a song about, um, that I base, Oh, grace and mercy. Grace and Mercy I wrote for my brother mm. uh, because uh, he died in 2000. Um, he just had a, just fell and hit his head and he died and it was terrible. Um, but he loved his motorcycle mm. and he loved to ride his motorcycle and he was not married. He never got married. He was just kind of a free spirit. And so I wrote that for him because it's sort of that, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm on the great, uh, I'm past the great divide now. And I'm living on grace and mercy, man. You know, just whatever happens. Yeah. So I read that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, your songs, they do have a lot of, of uh, personal touches in them. And you and I talked about this, you know, way back in the day that you definitely take a lot of personal experiences or your history, your childhood, your family. And, and when you're writing these songs, some artists take that as like, uh, I really want to share this and other artists take this as like, I'm f- opening myself up to vulnerability here. And I don't know if I should really be doing this. How do you feel when you're writing personal songs? Well, I try to, uh, you know, a lot of my songs are, you know, like they're based, they may be based on a personal experience, but I don't, I don't think I get personal. Yeah. And the songs, I think there's a big difference. Still a little bit of a separation then between you and the final content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you know what it's like, you do a lot of writing mm-hmm. and I know that you probably, uh, you put a lot of yourself into it, but the final version isn't just all, it's not like, wow, it's all out there. It's, <laughs> you know, cause it's structured. It has a beginning, a middle and an end and all that. And yeah. so, so I think about, and then writing poetry, which is close to writing song lyrics, you sure. can't put everything in. You have to be picky, you know. Yeah. And uh, for you, I assume that uh, the recording, the music, and all that stuff—it's a personal 
project. It's a passion project. It's also not a cheap project to keep doing. So is this kind of like your, uh, your emotional fulcrum? Is this kind of what keeps you balanced from your, you know, your one person life to your other person life? Is that why you keep doing it? I can't help myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an addiction. I mean, I just love it. I love, I've always, I've been playing music since I was a little girl, you know, since I was five years old and probably before that, I love music. And I always, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, um, when I was growing up, I dreamed of being a writer, being a musician. And I would, (laughs) I would listen to albums, like even the Rolling Stones. And I would listen to all that in my room and I would play, I would play the tambourine and sing. And I I was always writing and I just, this is just who I am. This is who I am. It's who I've always been. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we love who you are, so obviously, you know, keep keep doing it. And uh, you're doing a lot of this these recordings now, though, in a more comfortable environment out of your home, right? And and you're having like Brad and the others. Are they coming right. to you to to right. kind of take part in this? Right. So and then, yeah, that makes a huge difference, just even on how you can you know take more time to breathe with the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do miss monkey trench though. <laughs> it's a great studio. If Mike Herrera is listening, he's an awesome person, but Mike, if you ever have an opening for your studio, <laughs> I loved working at monkey trench. That's a great, great experience. It's a great place for sure. I loved, I loved hanging out there, but there is something to be said for having the familiar surroundings that kind of give you that, that inner peace and, uh, you know, make it a little bit more comfortable just to kind of get through the process. So, and, uh, as we kind of talked about just before we actually hopped on the air, so you're recording this stuff yourself with, of course, the help of, of our friends, but, uh, you've also created your own label. So you're self-releasing everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't have an agent. I don't have, you know, I don't have anything, just me. And, um, and then I, you know, feel really, really, really blessed to have Bradley and, you know, to have started working with Bradley all those years ago. And the fact that he still wants to work with me (laughs) is pretty amazing. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And then all the people that I've met, like you and, and Kevin and Jack, I mean, all these all these, you know, Kyle, all these incredible people I never would have met otherwise, you know, just, it's amazing. Yeah. It's super cool. And and to think that, uh, that whole, uh, I I guess, uh, cataclysmic event of bringing us all together and, and the big boom, uh, being born out of a studio that is known for, uh, producing music for one of the biggest, uh, punk bands in the world. Right. Uh, wow. And how lucky do we feel, right. To even be a part of any of that. Super, super crazy. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, as I have learned, uh, and as you have as well, you know, people are people and, and some might find themselves on, you know, different tiers of whatever corporate success definitions there may be. But at the end of the day, you know, musicians, uh, artists, writers, entertainers, sculptors, painters, you name it, everybody just does their craft. And you know, right. sometimes the audience is just what makes the big difference, but we're all doing kind of the same stuff. So I, yeah. I of course love to support the artistic communities, regardless of their, their genres or their, or their medium. I just, uh, I find artists to be the most fascinating tortured souls on the planet <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's a little bit of that tortured soul in all of us. So 
now Definitely. that uh, now that this album is out, I, I'm going to assume that you've already got probably at least a dozen other songs or frameworks of songs bouncing around in your head. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> but, and, you know, that's the thing. I, I think that, you know, it never stops. Mm-mm. That that voice, that creativity, whatever it is, you know, that I'm always, it, it, it never, ever stops. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, so am I going to write that one down or am I going to let that one go? You know, just, and sometimes if I let it go, it never comes back. And mm. I'm really mad at myself. But so I try to write down, like if I think of a good line or I think of a good, like something comes into my head, I try to write it down really quick so I don't forget it. And then I can go back. But um, I've had a lot of people, a lot of songwriters are like that. They probably have notebooks and notebooks of just stuff. Yeah. Because you just don't know. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I actually have written down on my on my fancy little notebook. Do you ever find yourself in a social situation and an idea for a song or, or a line pops in your head and you go, just give me a minute, guys. I got to write this down. It's great stuff right here. That has happened. Yeah. And they yeah. look at you like you're on crack. Like, what is this crazy person doing? You're like, hey, just give me a second. <laughs> well, no kidding. I keep a little notebook. This This little notebook. Oh, the little black book. My little black book in my bag all the time. I never leave home without it because you just don't know. I uh, I have a a good friend of mine who's in a band over in Florida, and he says that what he does, and he's a guitar player, but he has a little portable recorder. And he (gasps) goes, he goes, I'll get an idea for a song and I'll I'll turn the record button and he'll go, I'll just go chunk 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 chunk. He goes, and then I'll go home and I'll like try to transcribe that into what I was thinking in my head. But he's like, it doesn't. He goes, people think I'm crazy because I'll be out in the middle of the street with my recorder, like vocalizing guitar parts into a into a tape machine. He goes, but it works for me, and that's that's how I. He goes, because I have terrible handwriting, and if I write anything down, I'll never be able to read it again, especially if I'm in a situation where I'm trying to write in a hurry. And I'm like, that's a damn good idea, dude. Oh, such a good idea. Well, you know, sometimes I do record stuff on my iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I go walking sometimes, if I, if there's nobody around, <laughs> if something comes in my head, I'm like, oh my God, turn that on. Oh, here's, here's like a line from a song. Ah. <laughs> you know, like I'll sing it and then I'll. Yeah. So my mechanism is that I talk to myself a lot and, uh, and <laughs> Marsha is my wife, Marsha. She's always like, uh. Everything all right? And I'm like, I'm, just, I'm good. I'm just, I'm thinking this thing through in my head. And I, sometimes people are watching me and I'm not even aware of it, but that's, uh, that's pretty funny. I think all of us uh, in the artistic uh, mediums have our own way of kind of getting those thoughts from here in the back of our head to the, to the forefront to get them, you know, out of our mouths or oh. out of our hands or whatever. So, oh yeah. I love, yeah. I love watching the process of, of different people kind of getting those ideas from, from conception to, to final print, if you will. I mean, it's, it's such a weird thing that happens. It's, you know, I, I, I like to think about it like a, like there's a string that goes from the top of my head into whatever the ionosphere. And, and then like, I want to pull the ideas down into my consciousness, you know, mm. it sounds really weird, doesn't it? It sounds but, like you're uh, taking some ayahuasca or something. <laughs> Not that I would judge you for that. It's just, <laughs> it's just a strange process and I, I'm not scientific about it at all. I don't understand it. I just go with it. Yeah. Awesome. Says the literary academic expert. (laughs) (laughs) So 
Now you've covered a lot of ground with all of your, you know, your writing with your book and then with your different albums and encompassing different styles. What are some of these other projects then that you might want to try? Uh, have you thought about taking any different musical direction? Have you thought about something that you haven't worked with that you really want to try a different style or incorporating different styles? You know, I don't know. Um, I always want to write a blues song, but then I always think, well, you know, do I really feel qualified to write a blues song? I don't really. Sure. I mean, I, I feel more at home with the country music or, uh, you know, singer songwriter type of stuff. Sure. Um, I do love rock music. I yeah. like to, I want to write more rock songs. Um, you know, just, I mean, like kind of in the style of Sheryl Crow, you know, that kind of rock music. Yeah. Um, not Janice Joplin. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but yeah, I just, um, the next thing I want to do is like a, a combination of literature and music, uh, even more so than the other book. I kind of spinning off of that book. I want to, um, I want to write songs about from the perspective of women in American literature, like telling their stories. Sure. And then I want to uh, ask uh, some literary uh, experts, like you know, people that are teaching, you know, professor types, to write essays about those characters with all the research and everything. And then I want to put the DVD or the CD with the book. Yeah, that's the next thing I want to do. So it's a true multimedia experience. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember trying to like when I was a kid, I wanted to learn like guitar, learn something, you would get the book and then you would get the <laughs> sound portion with it. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a, and then I had some, a friend of mine um, who actually I'm a part of their, their network, the Spoilerverse network. And a lot of them are comic book writers and authors and illustrators. And, and wow. he released uh, a, a book that was kind of a, a horror themed graphic novel that spans generations. Wow. And then he enlisted a bunch of musicians and he'd reached out to me and he's like, hey, I want to have each story have its own soundtrack so people could read their stories oh, and hear some yes. music in the background. And so he did that and it was super cool. And uh, so what you just described to me, I, it just kind of jogged my mind about that. But the the combining of elements, I think, creates just a fascinating fullness to content that uh, you wouldn't otherwise get. So I absolutely love those ideas. Yeah, I, I there's a... There's a book, speaking of kind of gothic stuff, there's a book called The Shadow of the Wind by uh, Carlos Ruiz Safan, who unfortunately died. The guy was a genius. But uh, so The Shadow of the Wind has its own soundtrack. So it was never published together. But what he did was what he managed to do is put it on a website. So when you're you're reading the book, you can like chapter one and then you like hit the soundtrack. (laughs) It's just like. That's awesome. It's kind of that same idea. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So are you hitting the show circuit again? Are you, you out playing live? Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. It's really hard to get gigs. I mean, I don't have a manager. I don't have anybody to to get, you know. And then I'm, I'm really busy, you know, with other, got the academic stuff yeah. going on. With and life? So, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just really hard. But, um I'm working on it. I've got a gig coming up at Grumble and Wine in Bremerton on August 10th. Okay. 
and then I'm working on trying to get something at a place in Paulsbo. So, you know, it's just kind of, it's really hard. Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, the getting shows booked, you know, pre COVID was hard enough. And during COVID, a lot of places just stopped doing it. And then after things started opening back up, I did find that a lot of the venues just were not doing the music anymore. Uh, yeah. and so it did kind of slim it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was starting to kind of get on a roll and then, you know, COVID just, yeah. Like, Bye bosh. <laughs> and then last year, you know, I was, I went up for promotion at my job, which I got. Woo-hoo! Um, so I'm a full teaching professor now, nice. but anyway, uh, that took up all of my time. Like the year before that I was writing all the narrative and getting all that stuff ready. And then last year was just sort of, you know, getting all that stuff together and waiting for the outcome. And yeah, so it's just been kind of a weird couple of years. Sure. So then on the immediate horizon, what's next for you? Are you going to focus on just writing new material? Are you going to focus on trying to find those places to play or, you know, what's, what's the priority for you right now? Uh, musically? Yes. Okay. Oh, musically. Um, I want to start writing a new album. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I, you know, it's time. It's a wasted man. <laughs> you know, I ain't getting no younger. So I want to write a new album and, um, this, the book thing that I want to do is that's extra. So there's really two things sure. going yeah. on. Um, I need a lot of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll have plenty of prayers thrown your way. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, your, your work that you do is, is not just something that you, you just throw it out there and release it. I mean, yours requires thought and dedication and careful considerations, you know, both literary and, and musically, of course. So, so I think that there's no need to rush anything, uh, but you've got enough music out there that we can all listen to and enjoy. Um, and oh, of course, anytime you get a chance to play out here, uh, locally, uh, you know, I know Marsh and I would love to get out and see you play again. Oh, it's it's been be a long great. time. So, yeah. So, uh, where is the best place then, uh, if people want to check out, uh, your newest album, where can they find you? Bandcamp, of course. Can I just say one more thing Yeah. before I just want to say in all seriousness, how grateful I am, oh. um, to you and Bradley and Kevin and, you know, Kyle and Brenna and so many, so many people. I just don't have time to thank everybody, you know, just for all the help that I've gotten over the past, how many years I've been trying to do this. It's just, I'm just so grateful oh. and um, excited by it. And uh, all those people uh, continue to inspire me, you know, you all inspire me. Well, I would say likewise, because we are also inspired by the artists. Uh, so we're inspired by you equally. And I, I think that supporting each other, no matter what what your profession is or your artistic endeavors are, your medium, or your creativity or, or otherwise, I mean, it, we're all kind of in the same game, playing the same clubs, doing the same stuff, you know, and, and we want to see each other succeed. And, and it's even more so when you've got a tie with somebody that bond is just a little bit deeper. So, uh, I mean, so likewise, we are, we're all truly honored and blessed to, to be friends with you and work oh. with you. And, and, and so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just great. We, we all, we all love you and, and want you to succeed and, and just be comfortable and happy with what you're doing. At the end of the day, <laughs> you should just love what you're doing. And that's, oh, yeah. that's enough, right? Heck yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to find my music, um, basically, I tell people to go to Bandcamp. Okay. Um, yeah. I used to have um, another website, but I haven't paid attention to it, and I don't even know what it's doing anymore. It might have just turned <laughs> over and died. Um, but I, I don't have that anymore. But I do have uh, a Facebook music page, my Peyton Street Music, and it's public, so anybody can join. They don't have to be invited. Uh, just be nice. <laughs> <laughs> be, be a good music person and be yeah. a nice person um but yeah that's what, and then i have a reverb nation page okay too, so i'm on reverb nation but that's it and so just just uh go to that search engine type in linda nicole blair and it'll pull up your discography and other I cool think stuff so. that you got going up yeah i think so yeah it works i've done it trust me folks it's oh there. and I'm, <laughs> I'm on soundcloud too oh okay awesome so uh <laughs> Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, LNB. Always awesome to have you on. And we won't wait so long till we do it again the next time. Thank you, Mike. And thanks, of course, to all of you out there in the wasteland for tuning in. Always appreciate the tremendous amounts of support. We're going to close out this awesome conversation with one more song from With Any Luck. This one's called No One Tells You on KFMP Misery Point Radio. behind